Welcome back to Combat Talk, found at combattalk.fm. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We're going to talk about our week, upcoming week of boxing and a couple of events on deck. Vast majority are on ESPN Plus or Sky Sports for the UK fans. But to go through those, let me cover a little bit of things that happened over the past. So then, Crying Garcia and Devin Haney had their press conference. It was an absolute clusterfuck of a press conference. Crying is clearly, people speculated he was coked out. I don't think he was coked out. I think he was, the pressure is getting to this guy. You could see he was visibly sweating. Some people said that's evidence he was drinking, maybe, because he openly said he, he did a live and he said, I'm addicted to drinking, I'm addicted to smoking, and I'm young, and I'm this, that, and the other. Yeah, all right. Just like that song, whatever. Um, I forget the damn song. The song with uh, Young, Wild, and Free. Yeah, that garbage. So then, so he says, I'm, I'm proud of this and whatever. I'm young, I'm living life, and this and that. It's not going to stop my performance, and it's not, you know. I question drug testing if he's doing that. People are like, yeah, but it's weed. You don't understand. There are some states that ban you, state associations that will ban you for weed. That happened to Keyshawn Davis back in October. So I'm telling him, I don't know what's going on with crying, but I speculate it's the pressure. I think the pressure is getting to the dude and he's kind of in over his head. He knows he needs to win. This is a big fight. He knows that Devin Haney is a big threat. He knows that. And just for the backstory, these guys are even in the AMs. They fought six times. They're three and three. So the pressure's in multiple places. You got the pressure from the amateurs and trying to win that rubber match. You got the pressure from the fact that Devin Haney, he was a unified champion, and then he comes up and dominates Regis Progress, and clearly he's getting better. Clearly he's stronger than what he was. So all of that together. Plus, Cryon was off. He got knocked out by Tank in a fight he should have never taken. Here, his weight's normal, so he doesn't have that excuse. I'm saying that I think the pressure is getting to Cryon. I don't think he's coked out. He might be, but I don't think he is. I think he's just got pressure on his shoulders and he can't really deal with it. Separate news then, Jermell Charlo gets stripped of his final title. That was the WBA title. So he was, obviously he was no longer undisputed because when he fought Canelo, which was a mistake, fought Canelo, gets blown out, completely blown out, doesn't half try, and was getting stripped of titles for even accepting the fight. He got stripped of one before he got in there and then he got stripped of some of the other ones after taking a dominant L. Just got the loss of his last title. Hasn't been seen since. We don't know what's happening. Jamel came out and he was talking about, yeah, we can fight Crawford. Deep, deep, deep. Crawford's like, I'm done with you. I'm not going to fight you. Of course, Crawford's ducking boots. Anderson continues to do so. Boots, go get your belt back with the IBF. Still has that, but then was called a mandatory for Cody Crowley. So then NSB and other places claim that Boots was chasing Cody Crowley. Boots was not chasing Cody Crowley. Cody Crowley is a mandatory. As a mandatory, Boots is compelled to fight Cody Crowley unless Cody Crowley pulls out of the fight. Cody Crowley has never called for that fight. And I think Cody Crowley is terrified to fight Boots, but if Boots fights him, kudos for him for defending the mandatory, unlike what Crawford didn't want to do, which is he didn't want to defend the mandatory, which was Boots prior, and then Crawford gets stripped. So if Boots does not fight Cody, you'll hear me call him out the same way as ducking Cody Crowley, assuming Cody Crowley does not pull out prior to that. Let's get into our week of boxing. 12 rounds of featherweight action. Again, this is ESPN Plus in the U.S., Sky Sports in the U.K., Odebeck Kolmatov fighting Raymond Ford. Really solid fight. Almost even on the books. Um, Ford is a southpaw, obviously. But height's the same. Reach is the same. They're both young guys in their mid-20s. Coming off dominant you know, win streaks ever most recently. Uh, Kolmatov is a knockout artist, but he's got skills. So don't go off the power. He's a, he's a quality guy. Ford is a quality dude. This is a really good fight. If you get to fight, see any of these this is for WBA on featherweight. If you get to see any fight this weekend, this is the one that you want to check out. Is Kolmatov versus Ford. You heard it here first. This is the fight that's worth your time. 
I know some people don't like the younger guys or the smaller guys. I'm telling you, this is a fight that's going to be worth your time. I think both of these guys are going to be there all night long. They're undefeated both. Ford has the one draw, but bottom line, they're undefeated both, and they're both highly skilled. So if you get to check out a fight, check out Komatov Ford. It's a toss-up fight. I'm leaning ever slightly towards Ford, only because I think that Ford is his ring IQ is up there. Komatov's quality, this is not against Komatov, just Ford's ring IQ is up there. He's a brilliant fighter in the ring, and I think he has enough to be able to counter what's coming at him from Komatov, where Komatov, if he's not going to get get opportunities to land on you with the power, he falls a little bit short. So I think Ford's smart enough to stay away from the power long enough to get the W at the end of the day. I suspect it goes to a decision, leaning towards Ford in a close. So I think it's a close decision. That's my call on that one. Undercard of that same event, eight rounds of welterweight action. This is another really good fight. Rohan Polanco fighting Tariq Zaina. The reason I say it's a really good fight is because, again, they're both undefeated guys. Zaina has the one draw, but they're otherwise roughly equal, uh, mid-20s young guys, roughly same height, roughly same reach, both orthodox fighters, both coming obviously off dominant wins, roughly the same rounds in the books. They're both boxers. I would lean a little bit more on Polanco as a boxer puncher, but arguably they're both boxers. So you're going to see skill on skill in this fight. Really good fight to watch. Hard to call this one. Absolutely hard to call this one. My heart speaks Polanco. My gut speaks Zaina. I think I'm going to lean more towards Polanco for one main reason, and that's that Polanco strikes me as more posed, uh, more composed. He goes in and he seems like he maintains his composure under fire a little bit better than what I saw of Zaina ever most recently. That's not dinging Zaina. He's excellent quality. I just think composition matters. And when you're equal like this, it's going to be who can hold it together longer to basically out-hustle the other guy. And I, I'm leaning Polanco ever slightly on this one in a close decision. Now we're going to switch to the zone ever briefly. I want to talk about this one. This may be interesting to you. And I'm, I've got more respects. So I shouldn't say that. But on the zone in U.S. and U.K., eight rounds at cruiserweight action. Jake Paul's back in action. He finally had his first loss, obviously, against Tommy Fury. And then I think he's coming off a win. Yeah, two wins that he was his get back after the Tommy Fury fight. So he's on, back on a win streak. And, oh, man, Ryan Borland. So Ryan Borland, I, I watched a couple of his fights, and I was not impressed at all. Uh, um, I think, listen, for Jake Paul, because he, he had the loss that he's trying to rebuild. I got it. But Jake Paul, the one time, the one time the man stepped up, he got beat. He, he took an L. So I would have expected Paul to build up, not back down. I think Borland is a step down. And that's not dismissing Borland gener you know, generically. I just think that Borland's a step down from the kind of test that Paul needs. If, if Paul's serious about it, I think Paul needs more of a test, not less of a test. Tommy Fury was the bottom barrel, okay? If you watch that fight, they were basically equal in terms of skill and in terms of what they were doing in there. So I would have expected Jake Paul to step up because he's already had two fights of guys and he dominated them. So he's dominated everybody except for Tommy Fury. What does that tell you? That tells you those guys were beneath Tommy Fury's level. I think Borland is beneath Tommy Fury's level. And I would want to see Jake Paul step up a little bit. Like I'm almost saying at this point, Jake Paul against KSI would actually be more of a compelling match if it could feasibly be made you know, weight by weight, if it could be made, that would be a fight that would be compelling because KSI is even more skilled than what I saw Borland. Now, we shouldn't be at that level. We shouldn't be where I'm saying KSI, who sucked when he fought Logan Paul. 
that he's actually now more skilled than Borland, but he is. Borland is not Borland is not the level I think Jake Paul needs to be at. I, I envision a knockout here, and I don't like to see that, but that's what I envision happening. And it just, I don't know, it makes me sick personally. I, I'm not I'm not down on the fighter. I know it sounds like I am. It's not about him, it's about Paul. Jake Paul should be stepping up. He's not, so it's a disgusting match as I see as a mismatch. Undercard of that same event, 12 rounds of junior flyweight action. Jonathan Gonzalez fighting Rene Santiago Garcia. Uh, this is a pretty decently quality fight. I wouldn't say it's a great quality fight, but it's a decent quality fight. They're matched. Numerically, they're matched really evenly. Uh, they're in their 30s, you know, reasonably young guys. Uh, Gonzalez is a southpaw that will play in. Gonzalez is coming off a win streak. They both have the three losses on record. I Again, when I say it's a decent quality fight and not a great quality fight, here's the story I saw. The story I saw is that Gonzalez... Good boxer, he really is, but he makes mistakes. He's He leaves himself open at times where he gets caught and clipped. And then when you look at Garcia, Garcia's, his sole strategy is to catch mistakes. So if I had to lean, I'm going to lean towards Garcia because I see where Gonzalez will be tailor-made for him if Garcia shows up on the night. If Garcia shows up, I see him catching Gonzalez with something and getting him out of there, possibly by a straight-up knockout, if not a stoppage. Most people disagree with me. They think that Gonzalez is going to completely outbox or knock out Garcia. I'm sorry. I personally don't see that. Maybe that happens, but Gonzalez is not a knockout artist. Gonzalez doesn't go for knockouts aggressively. Gonzalez is a boxer. So if he gets a knockout on Garcia, it would be impressive. I don't see that happening. Garcia is more likely to get a knockout if there is going to be a knockout. If there's going to be a decision, I think that leans towards Gonzalez because I don't see that I, Garcia doesn't feel like a 12-round fighter or a 10-round fighter. He feels like he's he's really, I need to get you out of here so I can go home kind of mentality. That's that's the pattern in his fights. And he's only had, just to be in all fairness, he's only had like, what, 15 some odd fights? So he hasn't had a lot of fights in the books. So that plays in, right? He hasn't had enough fights where he's gone the distance. He hasn't. Whereas Gonzalez, he's gone the distance quite enough time. So I, from an experienced perspective, if it's going to go the distance, I say it's Gonzalez. If it's going to get a knockout, I say it's Garcia. That's my call on that one. And I'm leaning more towards Garcia getting a knockout on that fight, just based on what I saw. We're going to switch back over to ESPN Plus and Sky Sports for the other uh, entry. 12 rounds at featherweight action. Luis Alberto Lopez fighting Rea Ab, Abe. Sorry. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed in this fight. I'm not saying I'm disappointed as in it's a terrible fight or it's not that I, when I see Abe, right. I'm he's, he's a mystery. He's a, he's a real mystery. Okay. So stylistically, he's good. Okay. He's a Southpaw. He seems like he's really quick right on the punches, but it feels like he doesn't use his technical advantages. It feels like he doesn't like he should be blowing guys out. He should be dominant, destructive. And for whatever reason, he, kind of coasts at times and then he may get a W right. Cause he's not, you know, been dominated from my eyes. He hasn't been dominated, but he may take an L or he may take a W, but it feels like he coasts. It feels like he doesn't put more of the energy that I would expect given his advantages. That's, that's what frustrates you on the fight because otherwise they're equal numerically, you know, number of fights in the books, win loss records are roughly equal rounds pro rounds are roughly equal but Abe doesn't feel like he shows up because if he did, this would be a blatant mismatch, but it's not. And so I'm leading Lopez. Uh, Lopez has been very impressive to me. 
He had the one showing a couple fights back where it went close. Other than that, he's been dominant, and I've really enjoyed watching him in the ring, and I'm leaning towards Lopez on this one just because, again, Abe just doesn't feel like he shows up. For whatever, why ever that is, I don't know. I don't have an answer on that one. I'm saying that from what I saw, I am disappointed in this young man, Abe, and I don't know what's going on there. So, anyway, uh, 12 rounds at featherweight action. This is women's action. This is out in Puerto Rico and San Juan. Amanda Serrano makes her return against Nina Meinke. And then this one has a lot of chatter on social media just because Meinke's perceived as a threat for Serrano. They're both southpaws, so you might see a headbutt on this one. And Meinke's young. She's she's not she's not been in the business very, very long, but she's also young by age. She's only in her 20s. Uh, really, really good girl. I like her a lot. Um, Serrano's, of course, a legend of the business, and Serrano's highly skilled. So I see it as a test for Mikey. And I'm most people feel like Serrano's gonna blow Mikey out. I think Mikey's gonna surprise some people. Mikey doesn't have any power. She doesn't have any power, but I think she's gonna surprise some people with her performance, just general performance. I think she's gonna go in and perform at a level where she's gonna expose some holes and the fact that Serrano, you know, she's just up there. She's been in the game a long time. She's fought a wars over time. And there's I think you're gonna see a little bit of a decline. Do I think Serrano wins? Absolutely. But I just think that Mikey's going to show a couple of things at points that are going to surprise some people. And I'm, you know, I'm cheering her on to get the shocker win because it would be a shocker win. I don't see it for multiple reasons. I think that Serrano's just too highly skilled. Um, speed is going to be to her disadvantage, but I think that Serrano's just too highly skilled and it's going to overwhelm her to a decision is my, my gut speaking there. ESPN plus sky sports, 12 rounds at welterweight action. Brian Norman Jr. fights Janison Boca Chica. Of course, I am. People know I'm a Boca Chica fan. He's coming off a loss. He lost very recently. He's He's been upping the pace of numbers of fights, and I'm impressed that he's doing that because at a point, he was only fighting like twice a year, and he's tried to step up the number of fights per year, which I think he needs that. Norman Jr., I you know, I hadn't heard of this guy before this. Well, I know that's kind of weird, but I had not heard of the guy, and I wanted to do a little bit of digging on him, and I was pretty impressed what I saw. He's a really solid boxer i wouldn't say he's at the top echelon or any of that kind of stuff but really solid guy really good fundamentals um power is a little lacking he's you know he's he's a knockout like stoppage i should say shouldn't say lacking but he's a stoppage force stoppage kind of guy he's not like he's just one punch knockout none of that it just seems like he has the ability to force a stoppage i guess i should say in his wins he's not going to just completely put you comatose right he'll make the ref jump in there and stop now, to be fair, his record is arguably padded. He's fought a lot of guys. Um, I think this is down in Mexico for the most part. He's fought a lot of, it's kind of like Devin Haney, fought a lot of guys, regional, and some of these were just joke records. And so he has a little bit of a padded resume to him. The only notable, notable name that I even saw on the guy was um, Ben Whitaker. I'll give him that one. That was a stoppage. He beat him. Jesus Campos, he beat him by decision. And the problem with Campos' fight that one concerned me with this guy because there was a headbutt and I think the headbutt swayed a lot of what was happening with the judges, in my opinion, because that could have gone out of the way otherwise. And then Quentin Randall. And then Quentin Randall, I thought, was a really good performance from uh, this young man, Mr. Norman. So, I again, I'm not dinging on him. I think, yes, he's undefeated, yeah, da-da-da, but I think that he just, he's he's got a padded record. This will be a huge test for him because Boca Chica is solid, although he's been kind of on a little bit of a slide with the two fights prior. He's a solid fighter in his own right. 
So it's going to be a good test. Most online think that Norma's just going to completely dominate Boca Chica. I don't see a dominant. I see that Boca Chica may lose. That is very strongly probable because when he took the first loss, it seemed like everything went downhill for him. And he's a good young man. It just, when he took the first L, everything went downhill. And so is it possible that Norman just completely dominates Boca Chica? It's possible. I don't see it likely. I think what happens more is that it's going to be a close decision win for young Norman unless Boca Chica shows up. So if Boca ever hears this again, I'm a fan of you, dude. But if you ever hear this, you need to go after him because that's going to be the way that you're going to upset him is you need to go after him. You've got to get him out of his comfort and get him out of his groove and get him out of the zone and make him uncomfortable. That means you're going to have to go after him, quote, Mexican style. But, you know, you're not Mexican, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so go after, go after. Don't sit on your laurels. Don't box. Don't move. Don't do that shit. Go after him. We know what you are. Stylistically, go after him, as in do that pressure, constant pressure. I know that the knockout percentage might have you a little bit skittish about doing that, but far as I can tell, that's just, it just happens to be that he can force stoppages. It's not necessarily that the power is doing it. It's really they can force stoppages because he's able to catch you with a shot that you don't see. Every fighter can do that though. Every fighter can catch you with shots that you don't see. I don't see that that makes this guy any more dangerous than the guys that you fought. You fought a laundry list of absolutely hard hitters that you came out perfectly fine. The only time you've lost is because you got outboxed, which is why I'm saying you can't let this guy outbox you because if he outboxes you, then yes, he's going to dominate. That's why you got to get him unsettled. Get after him. Keep yourself safe, but get after him and just be smart, right? When you go forward and you're going after him, just make sure that you're constantly moving your head. Don't go straight up. Don't go backwards. And if you do have to go backwards for some odd reason, don't lean back. Go down if you have to, to evade punches coming at you. I would also say target the body. And I'm saying that not just specifically because of him, but because speed is going to be a factor with this guy. He's a young kid. He's going to have speed coming at your way and you're going to need to slow him down. If you slow him down, you can easily take him out in the latter half of the fight. That's my call as a fan, <laughs> a passionate fan of Boca Chica. You know, if he ever hears it, I would, I would go after this guy because I think you have more than he has to deal with him. Far as Norman, and I'll say this because I want to be fair far as Norman, it's easy to beat Boca Chica if you are able to stay composed. If you stay composed, you're going to beat him because all you have to do is what you normally do, which is to evade what's coming at you and throw, right? Hit and not get hit. That's really all you have to do. Fundamentally, you have the fundamentals to be able to pull that off. It's really just not about not getting caught by Boca Chica at the end of the day. So if you can pull that off, then yes, you have a shot. I'm just telling you for what I did see of you, young man, I see tendencies to make mistakes when you lose your composure. I see situations where you're getting, you're going close when you shouldn't. You're getting caught when you shouldn't. You're getting cut, you know, you're causing cuts rather off of your head and whatever. And I'm, I'm concerned with that because I don't know if it's intentional. I'm not accusing you. I'm saying I see a pattern of headbutts and that's a concern. But that could simply be that some of these guys went after you and then headbutts naturally happen because they were southpaws or whatever that is. Okay, that's, Let's say that's what it was. Let's say it's just, I fought a southpaw, that's what it is. You guys are both orthodox. I shouldn't see accidental headbutts. If I see a headbutt in this fight, I got to start asking questions about whether it's intentional. So if you force a head clash, let's say, I'm putting in quotes, let's say there's a head clash that happens. All you got to do is box to a decision, right? That's all you really have to do because that's what you've been doing. That's your pattern. 
that's the only strategy I think you have is to get to a decision, get to that, get to the bell and get your hand raised if that happens. Otherwise, you just have to evade what's coming at you. Because if you evade what's coming at you, I just think that's going to be an easy win for you. But my heart, I'm sorry, has to lean towards Boca Chico on that one. I'm cheering for him to get a W. He needs the he needs to get back. He's a young kid. And everybody bounces back. And this is an opportunity to show that you can bounce back against somebody who, at least on the paper, has a decently strong record, although it's kind of padded. The big one I'm going to talk about, this is on DAZN pay-per-view. So not just regular DAZN, but on the pay-per-view. 10 rounds of heavyweight action. This is the big one out in Saudi Arabia. Anthony Joshua fighting Francis Nagano. And some people were looking at this and saying, okay, is this going to be a wash for Anthony Joshua? Is Anthony Joshua just going to dominate this dude? What's the point of having this fight and all this other stuff? Just so you have the, the deets on this one. Okay, so this is happening next Friday. This is going to happen next Friday, not today. I'm talking about it today because I may not be able to on, be online on Friday to talk about it then. So that's happening next Friday. And this whole narrative around Joshua and Nagano, you might be surprised at how Nagano is able to perform against Anthony Joshua for one main reason. Nagano is, so Joshua has the one advantage to be able to fight Nagano that Tyson Fury didn't have, I think, which is style and the way that he fights, Joshua fights. Tyson Fury, for whatever reason, he fought Nagano as if Nagano was taller than he is and as if Nagano had weak legs. Like, he fought Nagano like he fought Wilder, which made no sense. Wilder has bird legs, so it was easier for him to lean on him and do all this stuff to wear Wilder down. None of that was going to work on Nagano. Nagano, just, he's stocky. He's just, you know, bull. He's stocky. So that kind of strategy wasn't going to work. But the kind of strategy that might work is actually playing really strong into Joshua's favor. That being, if he's able to just stay at range and pop Nagano to try to cause him to come in and get clipped on something, now you're taking Nagano out of his comfort zone because has Nagano trained for that? Remember, Nagano was training for Mike Tyson. Tyson had always struggled with guys who had the range and whoever would pop and jab him and keep him at range like a holy field, right? And even Mitch Blood Green at points, not all the way, but at points had Tyson a little bit fluffered and so on. Anybody, you know, Larry Holmes, Anybody that had a good jab and was able to keep Tyson back and off of him was able to give Tyson at least some problems, even if they eventually lost. You weren't seeing them get knocked spark out. So think of the style clash here. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Joshua basically stay on the end of the jab, keep Nagano away from him, and then Nagano gets frustrated, comes in, and Joshua clips him with something. I think a lot of people are banking on Joshua mentally breaking down in the ring, which could happen. It could happen. Because if you look at who's given Joshua trouble, Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz gave Joshua trouble because Andy Ruiz, his fight style, he just was, he was aggressive, right? He was an aggressor. He would just go after and just throw, 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 throw on the inside. So what did Joshua do? He said, I'm not going to go inside. I'm just going to stay out here and run essentially and keep you at the end of the jab. So again, look at that and then compare that to what Nagano physically could do. And you're going to see, I think, a very similar clash where Nagano just stays because he can't get inside because Joshua's keeping him into the jab. And does Joshua continue just to run? Maybe. I don't think so. I think Joshua's going to keep him at the end of the jab. And then if Nagano gets frustrated and tries to come in, Joshua's going to pop him with something, possibly get a knockdown. I don't think it's going to see a stoppage, but people say there's going to be a stoppage. I don't think it's going to be a stoppage. I think it goes the distance. I think Joshua's going to get his hand raised. That's my gut speaking. On Nagano's side, what can he do, right, against somebody that's Anthony Joshua? Easy. Pressure. 
Pressure is Joshua's weakness. If you go after him, he doesn't really have a plan B. He's banking that he can keep you on the end of the jab. So you got to figure out how to get inside that jab. The one thing you can say about Tyson is that essentially he can get inside like he did against Mitch Bloodgreen. He can get inside. And then the question is, is that fighter good enough to do something once they're in the phone booth? And I'm not sure that Joshua's got that. I think he may break down and fall apart, especially because I think that Nagano's power may play into factor. So to me, it's Joshua keep you at the end of the jab all night long, period, close to a decision. For Nagano, it's figure out how to get past that jab and then just attack and then just nonstop pit bull attack. I, you know, this one's hard to call. I'm leaning Joshua by decision. That's my call on it. I just, I don't see a knockout. It could, but I don't see it. I think Joshua gets a decision. Gets his hand raised, but in a decision. I think he looks good doing it. I think he makes it look really easy. I think he looks much more impressive than Tyson Fury just because of styles. I think Fury just had the bad strategy. His strategy of trying to lean on Nagano was stupid. If he had just kept him at the end of the day, if he had basically boxed Nagano like he boxed Wilder in the first fight, I think he'd have been had a better time of it, but he chose to fight stupid, and that's what caused this situation. And then if Nagano takes an L, so let's say he takes another L, so that'd be his second L, no wins. What's the next logical fight? It's against Wilder. And then that would be a hell of a fight to have if, they, if that happens. Because you can't sell. <laughs> you know, if Joshua gets this W after he just got another W against Alden Volland, so he's riding off two Ws. Wilder's riding off this L, a dominant L to Parker. Nagano takes an L. So then what's next for Joshua? It can't be Wilder because Wilder took an L. You got to fight the two Ls to see who gets a, another clip at the at the Joshua. And then Joshua's got to eventually step up and fight Uzik. And then we got to figure out Fury. So the heavyweight division is actually hot and heavy, but it's a lot confused right now. I actually am. I'm actually hoping that Joshua pulls out the W. Nagano takes an L. We see Wilder and Nagano. Because I, I really would like to see that Styles mix. I want to see if Wilder's really toast. Because if Wilder gets completely bamboozled by Nagano, that tells us he's toast and he should hang up the gloves. But if Wilder's able to just basically get a body of record on Nagano, it tells us he just didn't show up against Parker. And then now he's back in the conversation. So I'm intrigued by the heavyweights as some people are. And that's why some people miss the young guys. The undercard of this then, 12 rounds of heavyweight action. And we'll wrap this up here. Uh, Gilles Zhang's back in action. He's fighting Joseph Parker. This is a really good fight. Although we're not talking top of the division. We're talking good, dangerous fighters, both. Parker, he just doesn't show up at the top level. And the Wilder one, I think, was an aberration. I think Wilders didn't show up. But it wasn't like Parker was doing anything spectacular. Wilders didn't fucking show up. Whereas Gilles Zhang's been amazing in his last fights. He took the one L. And other than that, he's been dominant and destructive. Sal Paul on Zhang's side. Zhang is older. It doesn't seem to matter. He just comes and he comes and he comes. And so he's exciting to watch. He really is. I think Zhang deals with Parker. I think Zhang completely takes Parker. Do I think a knockout? Maybe. I don't I don't see it, but maybe he could. I think that it goes to a decision. I think Zhang's going to get the W. And most people online think that Zhang's going to get the knockout. I just, I don't see knockout. I see W. I don't see knockout because Parker's if nothing else, he's just rock solid. He's been knocked out before, but with Zhang, I think it's a different story. And I think Parker is smart enough to stay away from the bomb that Zhang tends to sow that gets that knockout. And the other thing that we haven't tested, we don't know yet. Zhang's knockout come early. They come before the six, usually-ish, if he's going to knock you out. If it takes past six, it's usually a stoppage win. Parker is a 12-round fighter, bottom line, but he can get knockouts early if he chooses to. So endurance needs to be questioned in this one. Does Parker have the endurance to last past six, which I think is his strategy? Last past the six, stay away from the danger 
up to the sixth round and then go toe to toe with this dude. And let's see if you can hang because I don't think he can force a stoppage on Parker. I think he can knock Parker out, but that would have to happen early in the fight. And if Parker can stay away from it up through six, I think Parker has a really good chance to get the W on this one. I think if Parker makes a mistake and gets caught, yes, he could get laid out by Zhang. Absolutely. And that would happen sometime prior to the sixth round, which wouldn't be an upset. It just would be one of those things. The fight, the winner of this fight then would become the mandatory for the WBO for the heavyweight title. So then that puts this person in the mix for who's going to go and fight. And so if Parker happens to pull that out, the heavyweight division gets all kinds of fucked up, right? Because <laughs> Parker's already fought Joshua. That was the whole situation where Joshua pulled the tape and he needed a break. And we don't want to see Parker up there again. But again, I'm uh, mentally, I'm like, eh, Parker could win this one. Woo, great fight for what it is. Worth fighting or worth paying for. I know it's pay-per-view and that sucks, you know. But if you can get, if you've never had a DAZN account, you can get, I think they have the, uh, I think it's like four bucks for the first month or whatever and it gets you the fight and then you can just cancel it off the trial so that's something to think about on that one undercard to that same event 10, 12 rounds at featherweight action ray vargas the legend fighting nick ball i say ray vargas is a legend he's been in the business a very long time he's had a lot of fights nick ball's up and coming he's in his 20s uh vargas in his 30s vargas took an l recently he's trying to rebuild and i think they're they're putting vargas in there for ball to look good against Ball is a good boxer. I wouldn't call him a great boxer. I call him a good boxer. Vargas is quality. However, age is going to play in on this one. You're going to start seeing Ray Vargas's age. I do think Vargas is going to catch him with something. I think Vargas is going to expose at least some flaw with Ball. But I think Ball gets his hand raised, if for no other reason than the sketchiness of the business. So I'm not saying that if he get to be a robbery. I'm saying that on paper, Vargas should easily be able to get past Ball. But Ball is good enough to possibly weather the storm and then get his hand raised. I guess it's good enough where they'll kind of give him the nudge because he's the younger guy coming up. Same event, 12 rounds of super welterweight action. Israel Madrimov versus Magomed Kurbanov. And beautiful fight, great fight for what it is. Um, obviously, experience is kind of disjointed, but otherwise it's numerically a great fight. 20 guys in their 20s, same height, same reach roughly. Both orthodox fighters, uh, both highly skilled uh, Madrimov is a boxer puncher. Kurbanov is a straight up boxer. Just quality fight all around. Really well matched. I like this fight for what it is. Both undefeated guys. I'm leaning a little bit towards Kurbanov. Now I, I'm hoping Madrimov gets the W because I, I think he has more long-term potential than Kurbanov in my opinion, but I'm leaning towards Kurbanov this, to win this one. Probably by decision is my guess, a close decision because I don't see that it's going to be a knockout on this fight. Great fight for what that is. 10 rounds of lightweight action, same event. Uh, Mark Chamberlain fighting Gavin Gwynn. Great fight again. Uh, numerically matched well. Gwynn's slightly older, both from the UK. Uh, Chamberlain's undefeated. I think that's going to remain that he'll stay undefeated. Although, Gwynn has, he's coming off a stoppage streak. So he may be motivated to upset the apple cart against Chamberlain. But Chamberlain, I think, has enough power. So Gwynn's problem is power. He lacks power. He really does. And so if he's not able to keep Chamberlain off of him, then Chamberlain's a southpaw. If he can't keep Chamberlain off of him, Chamberlain's going to deal with him and, and dispatch him, likely by stoppage is my guess. The last fight I saw, 10 rounds at heavyweight action. Uh, Justice Huni versus Kevin Lorena. Kevin Lorena is a legend in the business, I would argue. Uh, I think he's out of South Africa. Uh, good fight for what it is. I mean, obviously, Lorena's older, but it's a good, still a good fight for what it is, yeah, you know. Uh, Southpaw on that side. 
I'm going to lean heavily towards Huni. I think Huni is fast. He's he's sharp. He just he punches really nice. I like the way <laughs> I like the way he shoots. And so I think he's going to clip and catch Lorena with something and probably force a ref stoppage. That's what we got on deck here coming for the next week of fights. Really good, exciting ones. I do think that the, the zone event is worth your money. The, I do think that the zone pay-per-view is worth your money. If you do get a chance to check it out, if you, uh, you know, all of them are decent, good fights, but the zone pay-per-view has some really good hard hitters that I think are not, it's not unheard of that that's pay-per-view. We got a lot of heavyweight action. They usually need more money. So I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm telling you that it's not like, some of the other garbage pay-per-views out there. You know, this one is, I think, worthy of a pay-per-view kind of throwback to the Don King era, at least for my eyes.